Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, Season 2. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Joining me today is my good friend, Pastor David Settles. Uh, David, welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast. Thank you, Steve. I am more than happy to be with my old friend. Yes, sir. It's, it's, it's great to see you, David, and I wish that it was under better circumstances. I sure do. And I can remember when I kicked off my campaign in 2016 down at Barfield, you and your son were there. Absolutely. If you remember yeah. that day. And, I certainly remember. And um, uh, Pastor Settles, will you, David, will you tell the folks, give a little bit about your background, and, and let's talk about what's been going on with your family, if you, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, currently, I am going into my second four-year term with the Murfreesboro City School Board, uh, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and my first time running, I think I ran alongside some other great people, including yourself, Steve. And as you mentioned, uh, my son, uh, who was always in my corner, was there. If I was at an event, he wanted to be there, and, and he was, and he met you and, and your wife and several other people. Um, but most recently, and of course, I'm a local pastor here in the city of Murfreesboro, right down the middle. We're on Memorial at the Worship Center on Memorial Boulevard, um, just a little place that we like to call the Worship Center. But um, my son, who worked along with me, was also my producer and he was my organist um, here at the church. So he did a lot for me uh, behind the scenes and um, was just a great supporter. Um, he was diagnosed with the coronavirus, uh, let's see, he passed away on July the 4th. He was diagnosed toward the end of June, the same week. Um, he died on a Saturday and his diagnosis came on a Wednesday. Uh, he had been feeling a little bit sick um, and went to the emergency room at uh, Southern Hills and he was sent home twice actually from there and he passed away finally on Saturday, July the 4th while I was there with him and along with his wife uh, by his side. So it's been a difficult few weeks for us, uh, as you could imagine, but I'm, I'm happy to talk because I really want attention to be drawn to uh, what we're suffering through as far as not just my family, but families all over the mid-state and as well as the country. Thank you for that, David. That's um, very brave of you, first off, to speak out and to try to bring awareness on this issue. And and I know that our prayers and condolences are with your family. Uh, um, it just has had an impact on so many people that I know. Um, and so we're praying for you, Pastor Settleson, and uh, we just hope the Lord comforts you through this troubling time. Um we finally got a mask mandate in Rutherford County. Let's start there. We got yeah. a mask mandate uh, this week in Rutherford County for the first time, even though we, we are listed as one of the hot spots in the country here. Um, yeah. We have an 
very serious infection rate that continues to go up here in Rutherford County and really all of the surrounding counties around Nashville in particular. What do you? How do you feel about the mask mandate, David? And and talk a little bit about that. Um, how what what your feelings are regarding a mask? Yeah, uh, thank you for mentioning that. I want to say hats off and mask on to Mayor Bill Ketron, uh for mandating that. Um, and I know a lot of people, myself included, would would like to have seen it earlier or sooner. But uh, I'm going to be grateful for what it is now. Yes, and that is that masks are mandated. I think a lot of the pressure that was received from uh, not just regular everyday citizens, but maybe even corporations, if you will remember, um, Walmart began requiring masks to enter their stores and others um, that followed suit uh, with the mask uh, mandate in their stores. Uh, So I think it was inevitable at some point that this was going to have to happen. And I'm a big advocate for masks. In fact, I have one pinned to my shirt just before we started yeah. uh, because, you know, it's something that I myself have to get used to. And I, I, I tell people this. Um, I don't like wearing a mask. I don't like it. I do not like it. But I like living a lot better. And I also like protecting uh, my fellow citizens. So I do it because it is a proven deterrent to the virus. And now that Rutherford County has gotten on board. I think it's a great thing. I think we should all be responsible citizens, wear our mask and understand the importance of it, not just for yourself, but for somebody that you don't know uh, could be contagious or even for you yourself that could be contagious and pass it along without even knowing. So I'm all in support of masks. I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too, David. I, I you know, you just kind of notice. I, but, you, but most folks don't get out much, including myself. But right. it was like a, it was like a switch flipped. I went from seeing maybe ten percent of the people wearing a mask in Rutherford County overnight to seeing eighty or ninety percent of the people yeah. with a mask on. And yeah. I think that's what's so important about our leadership and leadership roles is when, you know, when the mayor says do this, you know, it doesn't, it's not political. Uh, you and I are both on the left side of the of the political divide, but but we respect yeah. Mayor Ketron and, and uh, we know we know that he wants to do what's right for the this community. And so um, anyway, I'm with you. I, it may be a little late, but I'm glad that we've got it. And uh, hopefully uh, the cases will start coming down here uh, in Rutherford County so that we can open the schools, David. That is my prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And you uh, you are on the school board, and I know yeah. that this is a huge topic. I think this is what a lot of people are talking about right now. And uh, so tell us where we are regarding opening. You're, you're a Murfreesboro City School Board member. Yes, sir. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I'll, I'll say, uh, Steve, in, in my four years, I'm ending my fourth year, um, you know, this month and going into my next four years. And thank you for every, uh, to everyone for their support. But in all of the years that I've been on the school board, this is the hardest um, meeting that I've attended, which uh-huh. I had to attend virtually um, because it was held the Tuesday. Um, I think it was the Tuesday after my son's funeral, mm-hmm. which was a week after his death. So I attended virtually, um, but it was one of the hardest meetings, probably the hardest that I've ever been a part of because we are literally talking about life and death issues for our most vulnerable citizens, which is our kids uh, who are the future. 
Um, and I want to say, you know, my head is off to um, Mr. Ralph Ringstaff, who's our interim director, and his staff for working so diligently and tirelessly on getting us a really good plan. Uh, and I will say also in the, to the memory of Dr. Linda Gilbert, because she laid a foundation out. As you know, she passed uh, right around the beginning of the really pandemic, pandemic getting kind of heightened. In fact, she we could not have a regular memorial service for her. We were under those type restrictions at that point. So the school system in uh, Murfreesboro City worked really hard to put together a comprehensive, what I feel is a very comprehensive plan uh, to reopen schools, because we do know that there's psychological and social benefits for that interaction, but we want to do everything safely. And I'm very, very pleased with the plan that we have, even though it's not as, it's not, you know, the best um, because of limitations and restrictions, but we put in place, you know, uh, masks were mandated for our schools, for the kids, as well as the instructors. But the, the, the linchpin to it, I think, is the fact that parents have the option to keep their kids at home and let them do distant learning uh, with the aid of uh, a teacher. So it wouldn't be like kind of like it was maybe a self-guided type of deal when we closed in March. But this is going to be an actual face to face type of uh, instruction mm -hmm. where the child will be in front of their uh, device and the teacher will be in front of a device and she's going to teach the class and you're just in your home, which is the difference. Uh, so parents have that option. And I think that is very key uh, because if you're not comfortable, um, then you can keep your kids at home. And it, it speaks to something. I, I guess it goes into something, Stephen. I don't want to go ahead of you, but you know, no, I no. could talk a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We both can. But I, 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 I yeah, well, imagine that. <laughs> um, I was disturbed by a couple of things that came out of Washington uh, when we were talking about the opening of schools, and that was a threat uh, from the president and from Betsy DeVos to cut off funding for districts that did not open completely physically, you know, at the regular time. And I thought that was very odd and strange. Uh, now, they've since backed off of that threat, and most likely because then they were made to understand that they couldn't cut off the funding anyway because they don't have that authority. The money's already mandated by Congress, so it was already in the pipeline. There's, there's no way they could cut off funding for schools because we did not follow their uh, advice to open completely. So I, I'm really grateful that our system was a forward thinker in planning to open uh, with distance learning as well as in classroom learning with all of the restrictions uh, in place. Yeah, I, well, that gives the parents a choice to your to your point. And I think that choice is really what in a lot of various situations regarding the government, that's, you know, let the people make their own choice. And I and I do uh, think that that is the best uh, way to go right now. You know, for those of uh, for those listeners that are outside of Rutherford County or that may not know or that just moved here, Rutherford County and Murfreesboro City has one of the best school systems in the entire state of Tennessee. We're very proud of our school yeah. systems here. Uh, both of my children were educated uh, uh, through the city and the county schools. 
school systems, and and uh, I have a son that just graduated the University of Tennessee. So, I mean, they they are preparing these children for college and for a work life, and and we're very proud of it. A lot of folks move here, David, just so their yes. kids can go to school here. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. Uh, it is one of the one of the major calling cards, and especially, and I ring the bell for city schools every time I get a chance. Yeah. It's one of the major uh, calling cards for. Uh, recruitment in this area when we talk about recruiting businesses and industry mm-hmm. our school system comes out in the in the rankings uh, we are a multiple rewarded and awarded school system yep. so we uh, and our focus again under the leadership of dr linda gilbert is the whole child uh, mm-hmm. meaning that we we look at the entire child we're not just interested in the uh, educational part that they get in the classroom, the 6.5 hours, but what are their other needs? Do they have adverse situations at home? Is there poverty at home? Are they transient? All of these things we address through our system, which is another reason that we are, you know, really proponents of opening our schools, uh, which means we are going to take all of the extra precautions to make it as safe and equitable as possible. And um, that segues me to another point, which was uh, when we considered it and we, you know, we were very proud for the plan. But the only thing that really kind of struck me was the inability of some parents to educate their children at home due to lack of access to the technology. Yeah. Uh, Everybody doesn't have a laptop. Everybody doesn't have a Chromebook that they can give their kids. And if you've got two kids in two different grades, you're talking about two different um, computers that they're going to need, along with Internet access for both and yourself, possibly, if you're working from home. Mm -hmm. So um, just the other day, Steve, you may not have had a chance to even know I had a forum on a Zoom call from my Facebook page, David Settles for uh, Murfreesboro City Schools, where we talked about some solutions. And I'm proud to report that we've got some things that not from the school board, not from the system, but community efforts. And this is what it's going to take. It's going to take all of us working together. I mean, it's from the wearing of the mask to the supplying of computers to donating uh, Internet access, whatever we can do to make sure our kids are educated and educated safely. Yeah, fantastic, David. Thank you for taking the lead on that and um, and trying to make sure one of the things you and I have both advocated for for a long time is uh, is digital infrastructure. We've been yes. talking about that for a long time now. Think how far along yeah. we would have been if we'd have uh, started this four or five years ago when you and I first started talking about it. Yeah. Uh, we might uh, it might be a smaller hurdle to jump today. So hopefully we'll we'll be much more forward thinking in the future to make sure that every home has access to the Internet, just like electricity and running water, yeah. and that it is a basic utility. And once we get uh, these uh, folks in Congress that have been on the take from the communications companies, I'm just going to say it yeah. like it is, David. Uh, we, yeah, I mean, uh, once that happens uh, and we say, hey, we don't care, we've got to just get this utility into the home, yeah. um, then I think things will and, – and we're slowly starting to change. The state has slow rolled out where they're allowing some of the electric cooperatives and people mm-hmm. to provide Internet services, especially in the rural areas of, of Tennessee. But as you know, David, even in Rutherford County, about to be the third most populous area in the entire state of Tennessee – we have yeah. rural areas in Rutherford County with no internet yes, access. 
absolutely. And and it is it is one of those things, Steve. I think that, and and you know, this happens when our elected officials are not really in touch or in step with what's going on locally, right? even though they're local officials. Mm-hmm. If, and it, that sounds like an oxymoron, you know, you're local official, but you're out of step, but it happens all the time. And that's why programs like what you're doing are so important. And I'm so grateful that you have this platform. I am excited about, about this. I'm super duper excited um, because without hearing our voice, these officials make decisions and they're going to make decisions that favor the voice that they hear the most or the loudest, which oftentimes is going to be the industries that are benefiting from the services that they are of course lobbying for. And if we don't as citizens stand up, unite and say something, then they're just going to make decisions that are going to be best for them. And that's going to, for lack of a better term, and I hate to use it, but grease their palms a little bit more and, and, and stuff their pockets. So it's really a good thing for you to bother your local officials. That's why I told them the other day, Hey, load my inbox up. It hit, hit me all the time because I answer to the parents of Murfreesboro City Schools. Yeah. See, I, I, it, it's amazing to have an elected official take responsibility, David. I love it. It's, you're just so old-fashioned, man. You're just so old-fashioned, you know. But but, but seriously, David, you're right about the businesses. And, and let me – I want to come back to the schools, but let me – while you've got me thinking about this, I want to ask you this question. If you um, were in Japan and mm-hmm. you had a – multi-billion dollar factory in Smyrna, Tennessee Yes, that you were not allowed to visit because of the quarantine, how long would you keep your investment in another country that you couldn't visit? We have to start thinking that way, David, because if we don't get this under control, these folks are going to start pulling out. They're not going to want anything to do with us. I I talk about – a lot of times I read the Facebook comments from various – you know, when something happens, you read the comments, and sometimes it 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 does bother me that you. I know that business folks that are scouting out Rutherford County are looking at those yeah. comments, and they're looking at the community, and they're saying, "Do we want to invest our dollars here? Um, are they? Is the citizens responsible?" And and this is one of the big mm-hmm. things Mayor Ketchin's been pushing is Rutherford responsible, right? And and to be right. a responsible citizen. And so I, I understand how difficult it must be for our elected leaders to kind of keep a lid on these folks that are, you know, I'm not wearing a mask and this is all a right. hoax. And and, yeah. and David, where is this detachment from reality coming from? Is it from news sources and the internet do you think or is is the digital infrastructure we just talked about a two-edged sword you know it is a two-edged sword um because it kind of gives way and license and space to a lot of conspiracy theories which in times past they would have to you know back when i was growing up and and maybe you um uh they had to make a pamphlet and mail it out and, you know, and do things with flyers and things like that. Whereas right. now they can sit down behind a computer in their home and nobody knows who they are and type up a bunch of stuff. And I've seen some crazy things, yeah, you know, a lot too. of crazy things. 
I have to. Uh, simply because people, you know, it's 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 like they used to say, you know, you don't just talk because you got a mouth. You know, you should at least know what you're saying. So some of these people are typing because or in in posting simply because they have a keyboard in front of them. It's not a good use of time, but it is very uh, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a digital divide and. As with everything else, those that are on the lower end of the economic spectrum are the ones that are carrying the most water, if yeah, you understand. I do. They're the ones that are, are hurting the most from these things, but they're also the ones that are doing the grunt work, if that makes any sense. No, it, it definitely does. I, yeah, I work in healthcare. Uh, that's what I do. Okay. And we take care of people who just cannot take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. And we employ people that are. Uh, that are are from different countries, you know, people that maybe didn't get a four-year degree. And these people love and care for people that cannot do it for themselves. But they're also the ones that are being put in harm's way and also the ones that are asked to take the brunt of the the burden when it comes to being left out of some of these major issues or decisions that are coming down. And it's it's horrible. So, we got to be more in tune with the needs of our people, which means we got to avail ourselves as public officials, as servants. And that's the way I look at it. And I'm a pastor and I don't make any bones about that. Everybody knows it. And it doesn't matter to me if you believe in Jesus or not, I'm one. Uh, but we're servants of the people and that's what we have to do. We're not lords over the people. We're their servants. Yeah. And that's what we need to do. And that's why, again, I'll go back because when you do good, I'm going to compliment you. And when you kind of mess up, we're going to have to chide you. But Mayor Ketron, hats off. You know, whatever happened to make you say, yes, let's do this. Because I know it was after he had a, a photo op with uh, Haggerty. And uh, after Dr. Manny Sethi, I think, came to town and whatever he did without mask and all of that. For him to come out and say he's mandating masks for whatever reason he did. Maybe he listened to the science. Maybe somebody told him, you know, whatever. Hats off, because leadership has to lead. Yes. And I said before, and I'm sorry to go on a tangent, and I'm going to let you talk. Oh. When I was at another meeting with some of our elected officials, and we were talking about vouchers. And I said, you know what? I didn't get a, elected to make decisions that are, are always the popular decision, but they've got to be the right decision. And we have to answer to our constituency, not to these people that want to come in and bring stuff here that's not going to benefit the least of these. And that's who I serve. Yeah, David, and that's that's why you're such a good public servant um, and why I think so much of you. And, and back to that 2016 day in the campaign kickoff, you, you're the only guy that won an election that year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, listen, I'm going to listen to you. Um, because, but, but it's true, if you notice, when our leaders lead, regardless of the political divide, people tend yeah. to unify behind them because Absolutely. we say, hey, listen, this is the guy that's elected. We've got to get behind him and support him i i put a congratulations out to uh, governor bill lee today they finally did a video on mask the state of tennessee is asking everyone to mask up and i think that we should congratulate governor lee for now he's a little late to the party but at least Mm -hmm. he made it right at the end so hopefully this will help get it under control david let's circle back to the schools there is there is a liability shield that's being proposed for a special session in Nashville, and also we're hearing about a federal liability shield. 
the information that has come out of that and what that would do, and the listeners of this uh, podcast have heard me before, uh, I've been talking about this since the very beginning of the pandemic, it would basically shield all businesses that were operating inside of the CDC guidelines from any sort of lawsuit. However, part of those CDC guidelines right now are the infection rate per 100. Uh, So many infections per 100 people. And unfortunately, Rutherford County and many other counties in Tennessee are on the bad side of that rate. We are not on the reopening part of those CDC guidelines. So will the school board, will Murfreesboro City School Board consider that um, in, in your next few meetings about the infection rate and how we are operating outside the CDC guidelines, and does that present a liability to the city of Murfreesboro and to Rutherford County, for example, on the county school system? Sure. Um, I'll say this. I'm very proud for our system and, again, the leadership. And we are being guided, and, and, and this is what was said even by our interim director, and that is we're going to continue to listen to what the the uh, statistics are saying. We're going to listen to the numbers. We're going to listen to the record and see how we're trending to affect it. Um, very good example was given just the other day. I think it was, it was Tuesday uh, when the county school board met again uh, to make some changes because when they came out with their original plan, um, after they made that original plan, some things changed in Rutherford County. Mm-hmm. And they were receptive to that, which is very important. Uh, they were receptive to that. They didn't blindly go forward with the plan that they had originally put in place. The same is true for the city school system. And even I think on a greater level, we are very tender to listening to what the health officials are saying. Um, and if the rates go up, then we're going to have to adjust. And we said that throughout. Okay. We're going to be very flexible, you know, uh, uh, throughout this process and throughout the school year. And even with the plan that's in place, the, the parents have a choice to change every nine weeks grading period. Mm-hmm. If they see that it's not working at home, they can send them to school. If they see that the rates are not what they want it to be, they can send them home. As far as the liability issue for the schools are concerned, you know, I'm not sure. That would be a question for our um, school board attorney, Miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, if you hadn't asked me, I would have told you. Okay. Elizabeth Taylor, uh-huh. sorry, uh, is our school board attorney. But I would hope that we would operate within those guidelines. And if it is so that we that everything is haywire and we're open to liability, then you know what? We're open to liability. We've got to operate within what the guidelines of the CDC are saying or what even the federal government is saying, Mm -hmm. because they know what they're talking about, you know, regardless of what the guy at the top is saying. We got to follow those guidelines. And if we operate within that, you know, now myself, I'm not necessarily in favor of this law as from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to hear a little bit more about it before I say yes or no on it. I'm always leery of laws that are put in place to protect large corporations from paying up when they do something wrong. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many loopholes that can be involved in this to say, well, 
you know, we really did do. We, we did everything we could. or We told them everything we could tell them, and we treated them as best as we could, when in reality, what you call that is what you say it is. You know, you have your own set of rules to go by. So there needs to be a state discuss, statewide discussion. There needs to be a national discussion as to how this is addressed and handled. Because quite honestly, um, I was not discouraged, but I'm an essential worker. I have to go to work every day because of the line of work that I'm in. Well, I'm going to work in that environment every day with some very vulnerable citizens. But now when the um, the money came out for unemployment, those that were not able to work during the, the virus, they're getting an extra $600 every week to not work. And those that are essential and on the front lines got nothing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, and I, now we're talking about children in corporations, which means it sounds to me like they're going to say, well, we can make everybody come back to work and we will suffer no liability because it goes further than just saying in classrooms, but it goes on to say uh, the guy on the corner that has a store, whatever, Walmart, Nissan. all of these corporations. And mm -hmm. we're always on the, on the right side looking to protect large corporations when really we need to be looking out for the little guy because these large corporations got buckets and buckets and buckets of money, brother. Yeah, yeah, no. I so I couldn't agree with you more. I am the one that I've been very skeptical uh, skeptical of the liability clause that they've been talking about from the very beginning for the very reasons that you just described. However, I think it is fair for us to point out that there are good corporations out there that are trying yeah. to protect their workers that understand. So really, this liability shield is just for the bad actors. Um, and, and, and I follow this very closely, David. You know, OSHA, I'm, I'm, uh, due to my business, I know a lot about OSHA, yeah. know a lot about MSHA. And OSHA originally had COVID-19 as a recordable. Now, mm -hmm. that's a big deal. When, uh, when you get a recordable, typically, if you don't correct the situation, the fines can be five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars uh, per incident. Plus, obviously, if you're found in violation with a recordable, that opens you up to lawsuits from whoever Absolutely. may have been impacted by that. Uh, once President Trump found out that OSHA was using this as a recordable, he had that stopped. And so OSHA does no longer cause covid a recordable. Mm -hmm. However, we all know that that technically they would have classified it as such. It, they they put it under what's called industrial hygiene. Is what they okay. did uh, under the industrial hygiene clause. But but I think you're right. Uh, we have to be very careful on any. So I'm not sure a liability shield will even be constitutional, David. Even if they get the even if they get the votes in Nashville, I don't think there's no way in hell. Excuse me. I don't think there's no way in heck they're going to get it in Washington D.C. I really don't. No, but uh, I, I agree with you there. And and if it does go through, you know that immediately upon signing, you know where it's, it's going, going right? straight to the Supreme Court, right? But we're going the, to court. Yeah. we're going to court immediately that day, that right. afternoon. That's right. They, but the, they, the fact they, that they will have, I'm telling you, yeah. But the fact that they'll have to have ten Democratic senators to vote for this to get it to sixty means that it'll never happen to me. That's, oh, it won't happen. That, that's what I mm -hmm. think. Uh, no. On the federal level, at least under the current circumstances. So, uh, but David, let's uh, let's move on from that. Let's talk about the community at large here. Um, you you speak to a lot of parents out there. You talk to a lot of people. Uh, you always have, and uh, you're a great campaigner and a great representative here because of your willingness to communicate with everyone. 
What is your sense of the mood of the parents out there? Would you say it's 50-50? I know you all have done the surveys for the city schools. I know people are very trepidatious, but can you give me a ballpark number? Are 50% of the kids coming back? Are 20% of the kids coming back? Do you know about how many are going to stay home? And and what are parents generally saying to you? Thank you, Steve, uh, mm-hmm. for, for those high praises and accolades. Um, parents are still nervous. And they're nervous because... It, it, <laughs> People, I heard people say a couple of times, um, well, you know, kids don't get it that easily or kids don't pass it around that much. But the reality is we don't know because the kids haven't been in school. So people keep saying, you know, what we think, you know, won't happen, but we don't have that tested. So this is going to be a big test um, when we go back to school. Parents are nervous and, and rightfully so. Um I, I don't know a percentage. I know that by the 28th, parents need to indicate whether you're going to send your kids into the classroom or keep them at home for distance learning. Okay. They have until that deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, for anecdotally, uh, because I have two grandsons that are in the system, one at Hobgood and one at, at Bradley Academy. Um, their parents want to keep them at home. Mm-hmm. They want to keep them at home mm-hmm. for the safety factor. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's difficult because again some of these parents have to work so we're asking parents really to make an impossible choice because once schools open um and some of these parents have to go back to work and some of them are at work now are needing to work it's almost like a relief for them to be able to send them but they're still nervous they're they're still trepidatious and my my wife has has pretty much told you know my my kids you know send those kids over here to me i'll keep them i'll i'll make them do their work all of this stuff we'll make sure they get on their classes and all of this stuff because she's nervous for what may happen because we just don't know that's right uh, so so it, it's it's one of those things steve where we're we're walking in and what we don't want to do is as the song said we don't want to rush in where uh where angels fear to trod but we know we got to go mm-hmm. so we just got to walk real real carefully and cautiously and put everything in place that's going to protect our kids because some parents just are not going to do it. They're just not going to do it because of their, you know, trepidation. Mm-hmm. Some are going to do it because they feel, you know, it'll be okay. But I will tell you this, even parents that um, may be on the other side of the mask issue, a lot of them are saying, I'm going to keep my kids at home. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see the irony? I, I do. I do. I do yeah. see the irony of that. Yeah, I really do. And, um, you know, I, I I don't know, David, it's 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 rather silly to me. I always uh, when I someone talks to me about the mask argument, I always say, well, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of shoes. You know, do, do, is it really necessary for me to wear shoes into Walmart or into a restaurant? I mean, I, you know, I'd rather just not wear shoes, you know. Right. And it's the same argument, right? Of course, uh, you have to wear shoes uh, for sanitary reasons. It's the same yeah. with the mask. This is a sanitary and sanitation issue, really, it is. So, right. anyway, David, but um, I really appreciate that. I, I think that that you're right. I, I thank God that my children just graduated the university, just graduated uh, college, and my my youngest just graduated high school. And I'm I'm so thankful that I don't have to worry about that decision yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. right now. But l- let me say how powerful your voice is, given 
the circumstances that you've been through. I think the Lord has put you in this position as a voice of reason, David, for, for people that are struggling with reason right now. I can really appreciate that, Steve. Um, there was, and even before my son got his diagnosis, the uh, general wisdom was if you are young, healthy, no underlying health conditions, if you do contract it, you know, we heard this. Uh, chances are it'll be to you like a bad cold. You know, you may have some aches and pains, some chills and fevers, but you'll get over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he proved that to be wrong. Right. And what it taught me is that we don't know what we're dealing with. We absolutely don't know what we're dealing with. And I'm of the opinion that even the coronavirus that we started out with may have mutated by now. I don't know that. Sure. I just, you know, knowing how virology works, these things don't stay the same. Right. Um, And it opened my eyes because even when he told me he had it, you know, and he's here at the church and and everything is called and told me, Dad, you know, I, I tested positive. I said, well, son, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it because I'm going off of the general wisdom. This is what they told us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Son, you'll be fine. You know, just go do what you need to do, so on and so forth. But he continually got worse over three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even as sick as he was, I still contended that he would be fine because I'm, of course, believing in the power of prayer, but also believing that the expert said, you know, he's young, he'll get over it. And the fact that the hospital said, we'll send you home with, you know, some antibiotics and an inhaler and, you know, just do some deep breathing exercises and you'll be good. That wasn't the case. And it brings it very close to home when it happens in your own family. And I think we have to be very realistic about it. And now that my eyes are even more open, I'm advocating the more. And every time I hear somebody say, Oh, masks don't really protect you that much. And masks aren't doing what you think. I have to shake my head and 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 really wonder why you would even advocate against something that if it doesn't do anything but reduce your risk a little bit, why would you not do it? You know, uh, and, and there's something that I, I mention every time I get a chance about the mask. And that is not only, you know, the, the regular protection from droplets from you going to somebody else or from somebody else coming to you. But we do know that this virus spreads by contact with your mouth and contact with your nose. Well, if you got on a mask, you've got a barrier right there. So you're going to be prohibited from even touching those areas. So even if you have it on your hands, you're not likely to touch that area. So there's another level of protection. So all of this conspiracy theory, all this, you know, don't pay attention and, and, and it seems that in times like these, everybody knows somebody that's a nurse. You know, right. my friend has a cousin whose auntie's a nurse and she says that masks don't really do anything. Well, she may be a nurse and she may feel that way, but she's not Dr. Anthony Fauci, a man who's devoted his life to infectious disease and infectious disease control. So I'm going to listen to Dr. Fauci over your cousin's friend's auntie and who happens to be a nurse. You know, that doesn't mean anything to me. But that's what, we, you know, we talked about the Internet. That's what we're seeing on Facebook yeah. all the time. Yeah, right, right. And and, and so that, uh, I, David, I don't know how many of my shows you've had a chance to listen to, but at the very first show, I, I, I completely, this was a year ago, talked about how dangerous 
propaganda is on social media and how yeah. foreign countries like the Russians, people don't, mm-hmm. there's still people that don't believe that. I mean, they, they, they yeah. caught them in Nashville, David. They were convicted of espionage. Right, exactly. Uh, that, that's, that's a real thing. Uh, but, but these uh, foreign governments and entities are trying to influence our people so that it divides us. And uh, yeah. uh, even over something as silly as a face mask, uh, yeah. To politicize that, to try to di- drive the divide between the American people, and so I, I really appreciate you trying to uh, your uni- unity message and trying to bring everyone together. Sure, we could beat some Republicans and the president over the head with this, but we're not because we understand mm-hmm. uh, that we've got to pull everybody together to to whip this thing. We can't do this with one side working against each other. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It, 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 we're, well, the, we're, we'd kind of be like a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. That's right. That's right. And that's what's <laughs> happening to us. If you look to the rest of the world and how the rest of the world has gotten us under control, yeah. uh, but we're the only country where it continues to spiral, um, then you have to really start examining where people get their information from, how they get their information, and who's disseminating yeah. that information. And and we are under attack. I said this in my yeah. very first episode, David. We are under attack from China, from mm-hmm. Russia, from Iran, yeah. from anyone yeah. who wishes our people uh, to fight each other and to do bad. They know they can't come over here and take us and beat us yeah. traditionally. So what's the best way to do it? Divide us so that we fight each other. It's it's, yeah. it's old as the hills, David. It's as old as the Bible. Uh, well, the Bible says, the Bible says, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Cannot stand. That's right. So if we're divided against ourselves, we cannot, we stand. cannot stand. And this is what's happening in our country. And this, of all things... When this pandemic really hit, this should have unified this country like nothing else. Right. And what's so interesting and odd at the same time to me is the president didn't understand that if he had come out with a message that said, we're going to unify, we're going to beat this virus by listening to these health experts, what he didn't understand was that he would have gone up in the polls instead of down. Yes. Everybody would have gotten behind him. Everybody would have supported him because he came out with a unified message that had scientific backing that said, we got to stop and fight this like it's an actual war. Democrats and Republicans alike would have come out in support of that because we will follow good leadership if it's making sense. Yeah. And so and so ultimately, I'm I'm going to go ahead and predict, and I've said it before. Ultimately, this will cost him re-election in November. Uh, I, I I don't think there's any two ways about it right now. There's I got a lot of friends here in Tennessee that don't believe that, but they're living in a bubble, and that's what I tell them. You're you're living inside a bubble here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I agree with you 100%, David. If he had come out, everyone would have gotten behind him. He would have yes. won re-election this fall, and which yeah, would have exactly. made things harder on guys like me or you who are pulling right. for other things like <laughs> Medicaid expansion or, or yeah. uh, stop suppressing uh, uh, votes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, all of the other th- issues that we have out there. We could have been – you know, uh, we, it would have presented trouble for our side, but instead he's yeah. given us a boost uh, yeah. because of his uh, – uh, failed vision to see uh, what what real leadership would have done in that situation. David, anything else that you would like to add uh, for our listeners out there, the Man in the Middle podcast? 
You know, Steve, I, I just really want to press home the fact that we can do a lot more together than we ever could apart. Yeah. Um, and our political persuasion doesn't matter, but the good of the country does. I think we have, because of the way America is and Americans are, we're very independent and we're not as community minded as we once were. Right. Uh, I think of the Great Depression and times of extreme turmoil in our country when we really pulled together World War II. Uh, those are reminders that when we unify, we can defeat an enemy. Um, that That's one of the things about American society that is um, somewhat of a deficit is that we don't we 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 have this independent spirit mm -hmm. uh, and at times it's good mm -hmm. but oftentimes it can be disastrous so i would just encourage everybody let's work together help your neighbor and i said this even at the beginning of the pandemic if you know somebody elderly that can't get out or is afraid to get out go and help them you know let, let's pull together even with the system that we're working within for our kids that need computer access that need internet access let's work together Let, let's pull together and make sure that everybody's able to learn in a safe environment whether that be in the schools or in the home but that they're able to learn in a safe environment and become great citizens and that 2020 will be one of those times that we look back on and say, this is a learning point for us. So let's learn the lesson. Let's go forward. Let's be the great Murfreesboro, Rutherford County, state and country that we can be. And thank you, Steve. Pastor David Settles, thank you so much for joining the Man in the Middle podcast this week. If I can do anything for you, please reach out to me. And uh, thanks for, to our listeners out there. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. I'll see you next week. <laughs>